we are continuing our sermon series in Acts, and as we were reading through this, um, it, it occurred to me how, uh, how it was the perfect message for today, the perfect verses for today. So let's just get a little started, started right in there, because we got a lot jam-packed in today. But so in Acts 1, we got this interesting story going on here. We got the days when the disciples were increasing in number. And a complaint. So this is a good problem to have, right? The church is growing, and they, they're, they're fearing, they got some growing pains, right? Now, when I was uh, about 14, 15, I grew seven inches in seven months. And uh, uh, yeah, that, but that was it. Uh, that, then I reached my... But mom said, hey, you're difficult to keep you in pants. Has anybody ever had that problem with a kid? Yeah. Uh, and I experienced some growing pains in my legs, as you can probably imagine. And the church here is experiencing some growing pains. That's what we've got going on here. We've got a complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected. So there, what's going on here? Well, first of all, the Hellenists and the Hebrews are kind of like two uh, different groups based upon the language that they spoke. The Hebrews, they're both Jewish. They're both believers in Jesus. But the Hebrews spoke Aramaic, and it was kind of their native language and their native tongue. And the Hellenists spoke Greek, and so there was a little bit of a barrier. Think about that Christmas when the in-laws are over here, right? The rest of the family is over here talking about things that they did when they were in third and fourth grade, right? And the in-laws are kind of here going, I've never heard that story before. That's the kind of tension that they had between them. Now, why was there tension? Because they were taking care of the widows. See, at this point, and in many points of the world, when you'd become a Christian, sometimes you separate yourself from your family, and your family disowns you. And this was happening in that day and age. And so what they did was they saw a need, and they took care of the widows, because normally the family would take care of them, but they had to. So we've got this tension uh, that they've got about taking care of, of themselves and, and loving one another. Why? Because they saw themselves as a family, right? We talk about being adopted as sons and daughters of, of Christ when we become Christians. Well, if I'm a son and you're a son and you're a daughter, that makes us siblings and we become a family. That's why I often talk about us as atonement family, right? Because we're supposed to take care of one another. And they were doing that very same thing, taking care of those in need within the family, but that tension is there. And so what do they do? Well, the 12 apostles, they get together and they summon everybody for a meeting. Think about the annual meeting, all right? Everybody come together, right? And then we're going to have potluck afterwards. Uh, no, it didn't say that in Scripture, but that's okay. And they said, what should we do here? It's not right for us to give up preaching of the Word of God to serve tables, the apostles were trying to do everything. They were trying to lead. They were trying to preach the word of God. There was new people showing up. They were trying to teach them about Jesus and all of the things that they needed to know. And they were trying to pray and keep that connection with God. But they were also trying to do all of the serving. It just wasn't sustainable, right? You've seen this before. You show up at somebody's house and there's somebody uh, trying to, to clean the house and cook the dinner and everything at once, but it's not sustainable, and every family realizes this at some point, and they're like, well, you have chores, and we have chores, and you divide the labor up. So that's what they did. They picked out 
seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, who will appoint to this duty. And we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of word. So what they did is they assigned different roles, right? Okay, you guys focus on this. And not just delegating a task, but delegating authority. You make the decisions on this piece, and we here will make, the, will make sure that we're preaching the word and that we're in prayer. And it's not that the apostles never helped out with that distribution of bread again. That's not the case. And it's not that those who were doing the distribution, sorry, the distribution of bread never prayed or never focused on the word of God again. We don't see that. But who is responsible for that? And so they broke it up into different roles. And they set before them the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. So once they made that decision, they laid hands on them that had been set aside to worry about the bread. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Here's the cool part. Once they had figured out these roles and said, we're going to do this, and you're going to do that, they found a bottleneck. And God blessed them with more people. And God blessed them with the things that they were doing because they had taken care of this. It's a pretty simple story, but it's got profound implications. And as I was reflecting this week and thinking about it, we kind of had our own story that reflects the same premise, that reflects the same principle. Now, I don't know if you were, have been around for the last, oh, I don't know, year, but we did something last couple weeks. Anybody remember? We did something. We showed up at the Fargo Dome and we took it over for 14 days, right? And we brought our trucks and we made a mess on the floor and we packed food and it was amazing. It was amazing fun and what was amazing about it was what God did. 9,712,000 meals that were packed. That's a big deal. Now, the funny part about that is, is that I checked through my emails, and on Thursday afternoon, or maybe even evening, I emailed someone, and they asked how it was going, and I said, we just crossed over 5.5 million. That was Thursday. Late in the day on Thursday. And we got to 9.7. That was not us. That was God doing that, right? Because if it were just up to us, if we were just up to atonement, we'd still be there packing, trying to get there. Just like the disciples were trying to do all of the bread stuff themselves. Instead, we brought in all of these people to help. And what's really amazing is not this number, the 9.7, because that's amazing, but what's more amazing is 26,608, because that is 26,608 kids that don't need to worry about where their next meal is coming from for, for a whole year. For a whole year, they can know that their bellies will have something in it. For a whole year, they can worry about growing, about playing, about being normal kids, about learning and growing in their community. 26,608 is what God did, made a difference in those lives. So what drives this? How did we get there? So this started 10 years ago in the very space that you are sitting right now. 
In fact, if you go up in the ceiling, you'll probably still find soy dust up there, I'm sure. Twenty or Ten years ago, we started in this space because we saw a need, right? Just like the disciples said, well, the widows are not getting the bread that they need, we saw a need. A little trip down memory lane, right? Here's this very space, and here we are, not knowing exactly what we were doing those first couple of years. In fact, that first year was a bit more of a mess than we probably care to remember. But here we are packing. And that first year, we packed like 200,000 meals. It wasn't much. In fact, here were 11 pallets that we were so excited about. And I remember over the last couple of weeks thinking, 11 pallets, that wasn't very much for this shift. But as I look back, 10 years ago, 11 pallets was a big deal. Every one of those meals is a big deal. But how did we get from this space to the Fargo Dome? How did we get from being 10 years ago not knowing what we're doing to 9.7 million meals in the Fargo Dome? Well, in Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law said to him, Moses was trying to do everything. He was working himself to the bone. He was trying to be everything to everybody. And his father-in-law, who had more wisdom than he did, said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now, after that first year of packing, I remember being worn out, and I bet a lot of us did. But this year, somebody asked me, was I worn out? And I said, no, I was energized at the end of it. Yeah, I was tired, but I, I was energized. Why is that? Because we followed his advice. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Place such men over people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. Let them judge people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. Okay, important things. Bring up to Moses. Smaller things, let them do it. So it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you'll be able to endure. That's how we got it done. That's how we got to 9.7 million meals in the Fargo Dome. Because we shared that load. We shared that load not only with more people in, Fargo, or in atonement, but with all kinds of other churches as we worked together. And that's what they did in Acts. They said to those seven guys, you're in charge of this, spread the load. That's what God's calling us to do. Now, the amazing part about that is that not only do we spread the load and the work, but we spread the blessing. And so what I'm going to do right now is something that every preacher is always a little bit nervous about. I'm going to hand the microphone over to different people. We're going to start with Amy. And they're going to tell you some great stories about how they saw God working and how being involved in this project blessed them. So, Amy Okeson, would you please come on up? Y'all might be sick of hearing me on this by now. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for what has taken place, not only over the last month, but over the last 10 years since 1987 with FMSC, 
and for 2,000 years with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to remind everyone that it, this isn't just me or Mark or Seth. It's a team that made this happen, just like Mark said. So you're going to hear from several of them here in a little bit. But it really is a group effort. Well over 20 people on our committee, countless others who come forward and help. But I want to share with you how God worked through this event. How when we started praying over 14 months ago for whether this was of God. Because it's real easy to take a big number, big thing like this and make, make it about you. Make it about us as a church or us as a community or us as a mobile pack. But from the get-go, Ron and I and several others in a room knew that if this was going to be possible, it had to be of God. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed that he would open doors and that he would give us signs. And he did over and over. And any of you that saw any of our, our um, marketing information as it came through, one of those documents we called Waymaker. And we talk about being a Waymaker for kids, for this event. And that's based on a song, if any of you know. We sang it at the closing worship at the Dome. And in that song, it says, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. That's the God we serve. And it also says in that song that even when we can't see it, you're working. And that's straight from scripture, from Jeremiah, in fact, chapter 29. So this was part of my guiding verse and things that we prayed and, and we believed in throughout this as we worked over 14 months, many of us, and many of us along the way questioning and doubting whether this was going to happen. But we knew that God was the way maker in all of it. So Jeremiah 29, verse 11, starting with verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you see me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places that I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. Give you a future and a hope. We have given hope to 26,000 kids who will get a meal for a year, who will open those bags, and I say, when the love that went in, the love will come out. We say hope starts with food, and we gave hope to thousands and thousands of kids that morning when when we crossed five million that Thursday, a school that I prayed for was there. And I watched a principal be overjoyed for his students, his public school students to get to be there. And all along, we have prayed. For these children, I have prayed. And so as, that, as we crossed that, Thursday came and we're like, oh, we're going to be overjoyed if we hit eight. But we kept praying and I kept saying, God can still work a miracle because this has always been God's number. And so Saturday came and we knew we had to make decisions. We had to say, when are we going to stop? Because we knew our human nature would be to keep going, to hit a number, to say that we hit 10 million. But it's never been about us. It's about God, right? And so Justin Quintanilla, one of the amazing leaders from FMSC, came to us. He's like, we've been talking about it as FMSC staff. I know you guys have been praying about it. And here's what we think. We're going to stop 
at 316. Now, many of you know, if you grew up in the church at all, what John 316 is. It was the first verse I ever learned as a little kid. I joke, as a good little Lutheran kid, you know John 316, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We give life through food, but God gives us eternal life. And so we gave glory to him by promptly stopping at 316. And that number at that time was 9,712,224 meals. And we praised God. And then another friend came up to me and said, hey, did you, another FMSC staff member, said, do you know what Psalms 97.12 says? Go look at it. And if it wasn't enough for us to know that we were honoring God, that it wasn't about us and whether we hit that number and whether it was about this community, it was about the over 30,000 kids that came, people that came and volunteered and were fed, their spirits were fed. We feed kids hungry in body and spirit. And we continue to do that. I'm so blessed that iPoint was here today. If you got questions about whether iPoint feeds kids, just ask me, I'll tell you. But we fed kids. And when God had us end at 9 million, 712,000. Psalms 97, 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. We give thanks to his holy name because you are righteous. Thank you, my friends. And now I'm going to invite up my friend Chantel and some other amazing members of these teams. So I want you to give a, give a hand to the members of the Fargo Pack team. Chantel is the leader of our warehouse palletizing and weighing team, and she's been, she gave a lot of time, so thank you, Chantel. Hi, my name is Chantel Hansen. Uh, my husband, Chad, and I have been a part of FMSC probably since the beginning, um, but in this last year, in this last pack, kind of the focus has changed a bit. Um, there was one face and some words that really stuck with me this entire mobile pack this year. And they were, um, why are you here? And the face of a grandmother um, that I had met. This last summer, I was able to travel to Africa, to Eswatini. And while there, we visited a homestead. And at this homestead, um, we had been playing with their kids. Um, and there was a gogo there, which a gogo is just another word for a grandma in Eswatini. And during the time there, I was invited to sit with the Gogo um, and just talk with her. I talked with her and her grown daughter. We talked about our kids. We talked about the weather. We talked about, you know, and laughed and everything that you would generally just hang out and talk about. However, at one point, um, she looked at me and said, you know, why are you here? Why did you come? And I thought the answer was obvious at the time because we had brought food for the kids, we had brought clothes, we had brought toys, and you know we were there to try to, we thought, bless them. And I realized though that she wasn't asking for an obvious answer, she knew that. I then saw the box of mobile pack um, kind of sitting over where we had left it, and I said, well, where I come from, many people get together and they pack these meals. And she paused and she looked at me and said, is that true? And I said, yes, yes, where I come from, those meals are put into the bags, they're put into the boxes, um, and that is, that is why I came. I wanted to see the other end of it. I wanted to see where they go. And for the next about five minutes, we sat there, and multiple times she said to me, I'm so happy. 
I am just so happy. And I wish that, especially um, like Amy said, January 14th, that Sunday, that last shift, she could have seen from where I was standing the crowd that was coming in. I wish she could have seen the excitement all of the days, the hope um, and the love that's being packed all the time because only God can bring together everything that happened and only God can do what he can do. And that's my story from this year. Thank you. This is Debbie Jensen, and Debbie was in charge of uh, the, the greeting team and the yep. welcoming team. Yep, and the floor monitors, and it was a great opportunity. There's many of you sitting here uh, that did more than one shift, and you just kept, after a tiring shift, you would come back and say, you know, what do you need for the rest of the day? What do you need for tomorrow? So thank you so much for your time. There's a few stories that really stand out from our, our team that... Uh, I just wanted to share quickly. One of them is a young man who, who had packed for his fourth shift, and all of a sudden he's standing in front of the greeting table, and he looks just drained, and he goes, someone stole my backpack. I went, oh, no. He says, well, that's why I sit alone. He said, I, I, I sit away from people because I don't trust them. He identified that he was a high-functioning um, um, learning needs kid, and he just said he was high-functioning autistic is what he said. And um, he just doesn't trust people. And he said, I never thought that would happen in, in a place like this. Well, as we went through and searched and all of this, and it got to be a larger party of search, it was Andy Carr and Pastor DJ. And eventually it was found. Someone had turned it in. And during a, sh uh, a shift change, they had not passed it along that it was in the basement or somewhere like a security spot down there. But anyway, he came back with it and then he chose to sit with us out front there for a little while. And he lost his mother when he was 16 or 17, never knew his father, but grew up a Christian boy. He looked to the Lord and he, and I asked him, I said, well, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do with your life? And he said, well, I, what, what I really want to be is a school counselor. He said, because I, I can identify kids that need help. And I said, oh, that's perfect. That sounds perfect. I said, you, you can see the silences in, in your school. You know, we always see the ones that are successful, which is great. And, you know, all, all these awards and stuff. But, you know, you can be searching for those silences. And he just locked his eyes on me and he said, yeah, I can do that. And I said, I, and we all kind of praised him and fed him donuts. And he felt good after and it was wonderful. Um, another one is uh, Lori from our volunteer group, was in a prayer group in the morning. And there was an employee of, the, of um, the Fargo Dome who was off to the side and looked like she wanted to say something or ask for prayer. So Lori went up to her after, because she, she didn't ask for anything special, but um, went up to her after, and it was found out that her daughter had lost her home the night before in a fire. And she just was hoping they would pray for her. Well, it turns out Lori has a major connection at the church she's at where they have immediate kind of setups for basic needs. And so by that next day, um, this person had given the list to Lori and Lori says, we have everything you need. And so it was brought all to her the next day. So the Lord connected people. And then my last quick story is about Mark. And it didn't end up being about Mark. Okay, so that first uh, semi that left had more meals in it than we packed the first, you know, year here, the first session here. 
And I was, tears were coming because I just thought, this is really profound. So the cameras are there and they're slowly closing the door. And just as the wheels begin to turn on the semi to leave the Fargo home, the song, bye, 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 comes on Backstreet Boys. And I thought, oh, Mark, you're good. That was cueing the, the most, you know, the most, the song for that. And I saw him later and I complimented him on that. And he says, that wasn't me. And I thought, well, the Lord is here and he's got a sense of humor. But he connected so many people in so many wonderful ways and all of it to God's glory. Thank you. They didn't let me in charge. They didn't let me near the music. So that was a good thing. Katrina Hansen has been packing for 10 years, and, uh, well, you can do your intro. You did a nice job. So. Oh, thank you. Um, my name is Katrina Hansen. I'm Chad and Chantel's daughter, and I've been packing with FMSC for about the past 10 years. And this morning, I just wanted to share a story of just how I saw God working in his people last week. So each year, there's a place called The Fortress, and it's a halfway home in Wilmer, Minnesota. And they bring a group of about 20 to 30 guys to FMSC every year. And if you've ever been there when they're there, you know that they're very loud, they're very fun, and just very encouraging to be around. And at this particular shift they were at, there was a young boy who was on the warehouse team in a wheelchair. And once again, if you've been on the warehouse team, you know that it's very tiring. It gets very tiring very fast. And you could tell he was a little bit worn out, but every time that this boy would grab a box, these guys, they would cheer so loud for him every single time he would grab a box. And you could see his whole demeanor just start to change during the pack. And he went from feeling just a little bit down on himself to knowing that he was supposed to be that that day, that he knew he had a purpose, um, that he was supposed to be there. And uh, that wasn't only impactful to everyone around them, but also to the national staff that were around there. And we prayed for the guys and we prayed for the boy later that night. And then later the next morning, I was talking to my grandparents. My grandpa used to run the fortress and he told me that yesterday what had happened was very impactful for one of the guys there. And, and he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he didn't even want to wait, and they baptized him in the shower of his own home the next morning. Um, and that was really cool to hear. And that's why I keep going back to FMSC, um, because of stories like that. And I can't wait for the day when I get to walk through the gates of heaven, and I get to see all the kids who were impacted by the meals and all the volunteers who helped make them, and we're all in one place together just glorifying the Lord because that is really what it's all about. Um, and <laughs> until that day, though, I will continue to go back to FMSC um, to make and to hear more stories just like that one. And I would encourage you guys to do the same. Thank you. Seth Morgan uh, was one of the, the three lead uh, members of the team and, and uh, headed up logistics. I just introduced myself as Amy's assistant. Um, so that's kind of the way it works. Um, 
we talk about the 26,000 kids that get fed, um, but I think what, what really keeps me going is the, the impact that we have on, on the 30,000 plus people that got to go through the dome. Um, on, on the last day, we had some of the national staff come up to a few of us and say, we just got a really cool story. Um, there's a family that was here that came to pack and, and they were one family member short. Uh, the night before they were supposed to come pack, they lost a member of their household unexpectedly. Um, but they came to pack anyway in that, in that family member's honor because that's, that's the joy that they needed in their life in that moment. Um, so whether it's the joy that a family needs in, the, in their time of loss, or it's the encouragement that a, a man who's trying to rebuild his life can find, or it's the, <laughs> my three-year-old son who got to pack. And he says, Daddy, when do we get to do this again? So he finds the joy of service at three years old. That's, that's, why, that's why I do it. That's why I keep going back. It's, it's moments like that. Thank you, Seth. And Porter's not quite old enough, but we broke the rules so that he could pack. Craig Suffolk was there. You were there all all the time, weren't you? I think you had a you had a cot hiding there. Yeah. Yeah. I drop the kids off during the day. Yeah. I go work. Yeah. And then I come back at night just to see what was going on there in Fargo. Hey guys, I'm gonna tell you right now. You better get fired up. Okay? Cause I am. I'm super fired. It was so much fun. So much fun right there. Stories. All I can tell you is this. I saw guys, can you hear me okay? If I saw guys there that were in my men's group. I saw guys there that I see in church on Sundays. I see different people. I saw a lot of people doing things that they normally wouldn't do. They were out of their realm, okay? Guys, the whole thing is, is that this is our Jerusalem right here. This is Fargo, North Dakota, and we can make a change in this world. You want me to do yeah, this you, you use your hands. I'll hold this. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, it was, it was so great because... The, 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 I got new guys in my, in my men's group on the first Monday of every month. New guys in there, and I got to work with Rick. <laughs> you were fun, man. You were a hoot, okay? Working in, that, working in that semi. But the whole thing is, is that I got to work with Big Oak. Big Oak, that's Amy's son, by the way. Okay, he was awesome. But you know, the whole thing is, is that Mark, you, and Becky, and DJ, how you guys have brought us together here as the church. Amy, how you've led this, the, the Fargo Pack. Feed my starving children. That staff was just outstanding. All right. And the people we got to work with, the volunteers right here, were just super. Okay, I can't tell you enough. I had the guys sign my bag right here. Okay, on the front are all the people for the Feed My Starving Children. On the back were the people that were in that warehouse back there with you, Seth. Okay, you did a great job. You and your brother Noah did a great job of leading that. Thank you. The whole thing is, there's one of these packs over here in the Fireside Lounge that I'd like to have all of you guys sign that prayed for this, that paid for this, and packed for this. 
But now what I want you to do is I want you to be able to pray more for what atonement's gonna do. So Mark, if it's okay with you, I wanna pray over this church. I don't think I can stop you, Craig. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you can't! You can't! <laughs> oh God, thank you so much for this atonement family. Thank you so much for these volunteers out here. Oh, I forgot to do this. Excuse me, excuse me, Lord. Okay, everybody that was on the staff that, 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 that put the, the Fargo pack together, Mark, you're, you're already standing, but I want the people that were on that crew to stand up. Chantel, okay, get up, all right? And yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you ladies look a lot different when you have, you know, you have your vests on. <laughs> okay. Thank you. No, stay standing. Now I want everybody in this room, everybody in this room that, that packed a meal. <laughs> Stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now there's some of you that are still sitting down. But what I want to ask you right now, if you prayed, if you paid, for those 10 million meals, I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to stand, because maybe you weren't there, but you paid and you prayed. Right on, right on. Now, the rest of you, you're not gonna sit down. Everybody get up right now, get up. Everybody, if you can't, get up. I love you, dear, I love you so much. Okay. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you so much. Thank you so much for this family. We're making a huge difference. We might not have hit 9.7 million meals, but we fed over 10 million people spiritually in this community, in this Jerusalem. We wanna thank you so much for what you did here in Fargo, North Dakota. We wanna pray for those meals because 28 of those trucks, 28 of those 36 trucks have already been sent to Africa and Haiti and wherever else, okay, Honduras. Keep those meals safe for those kids. Last thing I'm gonna say, Tomit, you are the new disciples right here in Jerusalem. We want you to go out. Take that Holy Spirit in your heart and share it with other people right here. Feed the children in this community. Feed the children here at Atonement. And, and Mark, you know, I prayed over those different trucks and that first truck was pretty powerful. And number, number 24, I think, was for me. Because <sighs> you guys had me praying for it. You had me praying for it. But every time I prayed for those trucks, man, this is what I felt and this is what I said, I think. Let these children know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves each and every one of you. And that supper is ready! Thank you to, to all of you that shared. Uh, uh, Craig, I, I, I have to show this though. Craig and the new trampoline. Craig was uh, in charge of smooshing down the cardboard because he just had a little extra energy. Craig did? Really? 
Yeah, yeah. So atonement, I know that time's slipping away from us, but this is such a pivotal moment for our congregation. We need to just, we need to put a, a period on this, an exclamation point even. Why did we do this? Why did we go about this? Why have we been up to this for 10 years? Because I will be honest with you, it is expensive. It is resource intensive. It is using staff time. It's using volunteer time. And although many churches are involved in the community, over 144, we are leading. And there's maybe an unequal load placed upon us. But that's not a bad thing, okay? God has called us to this, not to solve a humanitarian crisis, which there is, but to bless our community. And our faith drives us. And it's not because we have to, it's because we get to. Lord, thank you for calling us to this mission. Thank you for allowing us to do this. You know, we're, we're exhausted. It's been a long week, but we're blessed. We were able to bless 26,608 kids with meals each and every day for a year. They don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. But we were also able to bless all kinds of kids, 41 schools worth of kids in town that came and were a part of this and got to see people serving out of love. You know, the news is terrible all the time. It's, it's, it's this person against that person. And to see someone come and serve and do something for someone else, we got to bless them. We blessed 144 churches by being a part of this that got to come and serve and, and do something together. Where can you get 144 churches to agree on anything, folks? <laughs> Try and get two pastors to agree on something. That's impossible as well. We got to bless FMSC. Now, it's not widely known, but during the, the COVID, they had to lay off most of their mobile pack staff. And they've been trying to rebuild this. And they told me that it's been difficult because it's difficult to rebuild a culture. But at the end of 12 days with us, they're rejuvenated. Spend 10 days with crazy atonement people and you get rejuvenated, huh? That's God doing something. Yeah. And we got to bless the community. I don't know if you saw the form, but check this out. An article in the form is their editorial page. This might be the best event that has ever happened in the Fargo Dome. Our community recognizes that this was a blessing for the community. We got to be a part of that. God allowed us to be a part of that, to help lead that. And what's the important piece to not forget? That it's not us. It's God. That's why I want to end with this picture. We prayed. We prayed a lot. Now, in 2022, right after COVID, that was our first pack, we were so nervous about their protocols that halfway through, Amy and I looked at each other and said, it's not working. Something's not right. We weren't praying. And so this event, we prayed constantly. We prayed before the shifts. We prayed at the end of the day. We prayed every time there was a semi. We prayed throughout each of the packing shifts. We prayed for people that needed it. Why? Because we knew where the power comes from and we knew why we were there. Not just to feed those kids, but to trust in our Savior. And that's what God has called us to do. And what a blessing that has been. 
God, continue to lead us. We, your servants, are ready. What an amazing calling we have. That little atonement gets to be a part of this. Amen.